Hey y'all, welcome back to the Through My Smudge Glasses podcast. I just wanted to welcome all of you guys back to the Through My Smudge Glasses podcast. I know it's been a short break since I've released an episode, and this almost feels weird to me writing, recording, and producing another one of these episodes. I didn't just get lazy either with these podcast episode things, I just felt with the craziness of the election and the craziness of a bunch of other quarantine things and school, I was just going to take a quick break. But now the craziness has subsided, Joe Biden is officially the president, and that means another Through My Smudge Glasses podcast episode. The Through My Smudge Glasses podcast is one is a podcast dedicated to STEM, social issues, and positivity in general. We, from now on, I promise, release weekly episodes about everything between everything. Anything that's related to any of these general topics we cover. Follow us and stream us on all listening platforms, and be sure to follow us on at Through My Smudge Glasses, felt like the title, all in lowercase, on Instagram. Now, moving back to today's episode, I wanted to go back to our roots a little bit. Now, remembering back, if you've been an avid listener and a true not-fake fan, the first podcast episode that I ever released was back in July, and it was called COVID's Effects on the Brain. And I still remember the massive amounts of anxiety I was getting over uploading that one episode because it was my first. I should have been more confident, I guess, because that still remains one of our most popular episodes, which is amazing. But like I said before, that was released in July, and now it's November. And in those months, Miss Rona has been changing, morphing, and now we know more about it. So that's the inspiration behind today's video. Not video, episode. I wanted to do something that was like the, that trend of how, it's, how it started versus how it's going on like Instagram and things, but this time with our podcast episode. So here's how it started versus how it's going and the how it's going part of this podcast. Enjoy. First things first, I wanted to see how mental health is impacted by COVID because one thing that's becoming more of a norm in our society is accepting that mental health causes a big impact in your physical health and all aspects of life. So for this, I wanted to talk about the mental health aspect of COVID and how that changes because you can obviously say that physical changes that COVID had caused impacts that the mental changes or like stimulates in our mind create. Obviously, the entire pandemic is stressful. Depression and anxiety is normal to feel. As we are spending a lot of time inside, a lot of change has happened. And we have anxiety about our health, the health of others, our family. A lot of people are starting to recognize that huge crises like this will naturally cause anxiety for people who may not have even struggled it for in the past and also can increase anxiety for people who have struggled with it in the past. This can diffuse into our physical health, of course. Some things that can happen while is having difficulty concentrating or difficulty sleeping. This again is caused by stress. We know that these side effects can be especially difficult when it comes to sustaining work life healthily or for students going to school in a healthy manner. These side effects can have an impact on our ability to even function day to day and can cut us off from many other important people whose connections and relationships to us are extremely valuable during this time. People with pre-existing conditions are more vulnerable to go through more severely dangerous state of mind, and some of these conditions include depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. I know that self-care has become a big thing that people say helps with your mental health, and I agree with the importance of keeping up with yourself and your emotions can have on your mental health. 
I, as a high schooler, however, many times find this impossible. Like a lot of other people my age and not even my age, but like everyone with life responsibilities feels a lot. Sure, I know the importance and we all know the importance of keeping my mental health at its strongest so I can perform my strongest in other places. But honestly, a lot of times it feels almost impossible for me to actually keep up with myself and really make sure that I'm performing up to my sti- my high standards in high school while mostly saying stay in. It's that little balance. The tip that most people are suggesting is whatever self-care means to you, take time to unapologetically do it. I know it can be hard for everyone to be to unapologetically do self-care, emphasis on the unapologetically. And what I mean by that is practice self-care while not being anxious about work that you aren't doing. This kind is actually almost opposite of self-care in some cases since doing this multiple times can lead to feeling can make you feel anxious about the stuff that you're not doing while you're doing your self-care which can be counterintuitive. Many people are recommending that you take time to do things in a healthy manner. For example, just taking a day off, reminding yourself the importance that this has on your ability to work is key. I would remind yourself that the actual time you take off will benefit the time you spend on, in a sense, which basically means the time you actually spend working. Taking breaks and getting well rested makes brains more focused and ready to work, that's a fact. There's a lot of reasons all of us should engage in self-care, but I understand that it's not that easy for humans to think hey that decision would be ultimately good for us we should go with that choice if it was life would be a lot easier i guess but self-care is a muscle and a habit to really propagate a habit repetition is key so make sure to the best of your ability that you practice it by writing down things you are grateful for doing a face mask eating all three meals on time reading and sleeping for enough time one of my friends recently actually told me she just mentioned you know i want to mess up my sleeping schedule and i just looked at her in shock she told me she wanted to mess it up because she wanted to see just see what would happen because she thought she would be more productive because she thinks she will be in the like 1 a.m to 3 a.m range which is insane not to sleep during that time Again, shock and wonder was in my face about why she was trying to do that to herself. Anyways, I just want this to be a reminder that every day, by waking up, even the days where you can't get out of bed, you have accomplished something. You are worthy of care and love, and that comes mainly from yourself. You are going to get through any hard time that you might be experiencing because it always gets better in the end. We will make it through this if we stay safe and aware. I know this wasn't exactly the thing I promised in the beginning of the episode with the whole explaining effects on the brain that COVID causes, but I just wanted you guys to hear this message first before we get into anything serious. Just so you know, the information ahead is meant to keep everyone informed and not supposed to be any kind of stressor. For me, staying more knowledgeable keeps me zen as I know what I'm up against and I am most prepared to mentally handle anything that is coming up. Just remember that. So now that we're back from that reminder to just love yourself a little bit extra just because, let's get into the actual brain and how it's going to be affected by COVID. First, some general COVID numbers just so we can get a little update. A lot of people have become generalized or immune to the large numbers of people that we are hearing every day that's been infected by coronavirus. But I would like people to remember that this number reflects the number of people with a serious and very contagious disease that has unknown lasting effects that scientists don't know about but are sure to discover more about. 628,136 people, that's a six-digit number, people have been known to be infected by the coronavirus worldwide, and 
159,121, again, another six-digit number, people have been known to be infected with the coronavirus in the U.S. As of now, these are numbers. I would like to remind everyone that this is a pandemic and that a lot of other people have probably gotten corona and with a number this big and testing not being required daily for everyone, these numbers are probably a lowball for how many people have actually caught this disease or currently have it. From the cases scientists have observed, they have seen that COVID impacts everybody's brain in a slightly different way, but they, in many cases they have observed brain damage, that's something that they've confirmed, and everyone's brain is affected differently, but we can also generalize the effects in some way by giving them labels. Strokes are a common symptom that are being seen with the affected patients, as well as an alarming increase in the frequency of strokes in youth. Yes, younger people, we are not immune. I describe this as alarming because strokes are the number five leading cause of death in the United States today. A stroke happens when a blood vessel, which carries blood to the brain to keep it alive and running, clots, which means it blocks the blood, and then the buildup that causes, because the blood is trying to get through, but there's something blocking it, causes the actual vessel, which is the container for it, to rupture or burst. This causes a part of the brain to not be able to receive oxygen, which causes brain cells to die because cells need oxygen to keep producing energy. This is highly problematic because brain cells are some of our body's most precious cells. The neuron is a cell that does not go through cytokinesis very often, so basically the amount of cells and nerves that we have is it for our brains. When damage happens to these parts, it can be very debilitating, and scientists are still working on ways for people to be able to recover from any damage that goes on in the nervous system. And since the nervous system determines your body control and brain function, the high rates in youth is alarming and is something to be concerned about. Other than this, actually overall in the mental state of patients, there has been observed that has been observed in other patients as well. And if you listen to the first part of the topic, then you will remember how the immune system in a way attacks the nervous system as a result of its attempt to attack the coronavirus and how this can cause overall changes in mental state. If you don't remember what I'm talking about, I recommend going back to the first episode that we released and go back and listen to that part. And if you haven't heard the episode at all, 100% go listen to it. Another observed effect on the brain is the apparent increase in encephalitis seen in a person or patient. Encephalitis is the inflammation of the brain and it commonly happens when there's a viral infection in the body. So we can see why it becomes dangerous with the high contagiousness of COVID, as more people may be experiencing it due to COVID commonly causing it. The implications of encephalitis on the body are subject to change due to several other factors in the body. Like most conditions, they worsen with specific vulnerable age groups, how long it takes for your body to treat the disease, and the severity of the disease. The last factor, which is the severity of the actual disease, is why there's actually a high problem when it comes to COVID, as a lot of cases of a severe form of encephalitis are what come from COVID, which causes it. This form of encephalitis is called acute disseminated encephalomyelitis. It is the widespread inflammation of the brain and spinal cord damages. 
Nerve fibers are made up of the white matter that is covered by fats and proteins called myelin, which is like insulation. A very quick tangent here, the reason why myelin can be found in these nerves is so that the brain signals can travel faster. They can't, the electrical signals that the brain sends can't exist in that area of fat and protein that the myelin causes in a cell, so they jump around them, making them faster. If you were to, um, if you were to be on the moon or something, that's the best example that I can think of. And imagine there's two people representing two brain signals. One of them jumps super high and only touches the ground like with one foot. So that person would be able to cover more distance in more time than the person who just has to walk instead to get through those places because they're jumping, which gives them greater velocity. So basically the nerve fibers are very important for the brain function and so is the myelin. The damage to the myelin that happens when someone gets acute disseminated encephalomyelitis makes it there to be problems in that person's brain with the way that it can transmit information and this can cause neurological symptoms to appear. The symptoms and how this shows up on these COVID patients can change from patient to patient as it changes due to where the damage occurs. Different areas of the brain are used to control different parts of neurological thinking, and the different areas of the nerve endings are also used to control different parts of your functioning. So, based on the actual area that is impacted by the disease and where the damage is caused, acute disseminated encephalitis may cause different symptoms. This means that in a way, it's like a triple, quadruple, literally an infinity different ways threat because it could damage any one of these brain pathways which are all necessary to function just as a normal human being it does cause seizures and loss of difficult loss or difficulty with sense in adults that's a known thing just as another tangent i'm going to talk about what seizures are because i know people that think that think that it's where you uncontrollably lose control of your body but i wanted to talk about what's actually malfunctioning neurologically the answer to this is that a person who has a problem in sending and receiving the electrical impulses or brain signals to function normally, there's a problem there. Anything that causes a problem in communication between the nerves in a in nervous system can cause a seizure. The most common cause is epilepsy, which is a condition where the brain is disturbed so the excessive and abnormal brain cell activities will cause seizures. As we can see, lack of stable communication will cause several problems to happen in the brain. Um, I just wanted to mention here that seizures are, are actually a very serious problem for a lot of people and it's something that should not be taken lightheartedly and I've heard from sources or I've seen on articles and things like that that sometimes when people use it in a uh, cultural sense of saying uh, comparing what like an uncontrollable movement or like a strange movement to a seizure it can actually when they don't understand the full implications of a seizure and they don't understand the severity of it, it can almost hurt um, mentally people's... It just doesn't... It's not as respectful to people who actually struggle with the condition and people who have um, are afraid or might have significant health impacts because of it. So I just wanted to make a note that if you... Um, now that you know what a seizure is, just try and actually remove it from your vocabulary if you're not talking about the actual event of a seizure because it's not respectful to say it or compare it to something that doesn't exactly cause the amount of harm that a seizure will actually ca cause. 
Um, if you want more information about it, you could probably search it up and see how it actually, um, people saying that it's disrespectful or just like not wanting people to use that in a such lighthearted tense because for a lot of people, it's a really serious condition. From a personal note, I appreciate the elegance and actual delicacy of the brain that I've observed in all of these different cases. Since our brain is what truly makes us human, it's so cool to learn about how one of the most important parts for our function, the thing that tells us how to function, requires this much protection. I mean, it makes me glad that I wear my helmet when I go on bike rides. This should be a reminder to treat ourselves and our body with kindness, because a lot of times we forget how vul vulnerable we are as the dominant species on earth. A lot of things in our body are irreplaceable and delicate. Our brains, our heart, our gut, and everything. Protect yourself and as we can see what, with what is happening due to COVID, we can create amazing technologies, but at the end of the day, our bodies and our health rule us. Another thing that can happen that damages the brain in a long-term sense when someone catches COVID is a lack of oxygen to the brain. Overall, there's just a lot of brain damage that happens and this will cause severe long-term effects. That changes memory, attention, and executive function, which can interfere with a person's quality of life. Attention spans have been severely shortened from the resulting damage of COVID. Overall, it causes mass inflammation in the brain and due to the severity of the disease, brain damage frequently occurs. Brain damage, like I've tried to emphasize, is not exciting. It's the opposite of exciting. It's something you should dread and try to avoid at all costs. How can you do that? By not catching COVID, by limiting the amount of people you physically see to not spread it. It's clear that the number one way to not catch COVID is by distancing yourself and protecting yourself because the virus is contagious. This means following pandemic orders, government orders, and to truly use your best judgment to make the right decision. We want to protect ourselves from having symptoms like brain damage and unknown impacts and keep that as minimal as possible. Okay, I know you guys have missed this segment a lot, of course. Time for our cue from you segment, where we take a featured listener and answer a question that they ask us. I love this segment and I hope you're as excited to hear this question as I am. This week, our question comes from Shri, who notes she is an avid listener to the podcast and listens to every episode. Glad to have you with us, Shri. The question is, can you talk more about Baby Yoda that was taken into space? The answer is for sure. For everyone's information, the adorable character Baby Yoda and the extremely popular meme Baby Yoda uh, went into space. I'm going to be honest here, I had to search up where the actual character came from because although I am well versed with the memes, I have never gotten to see into Star Wars that much. So according to my research, it's from Disney Plus' series The Mandalorian. I can't tell you what that is, so I would search it up and get into Star Wars if it sounds interesting to you because I know from a lot of people that are fans that it's an amazing fandom and super cool movies and just amazing universe. So basically, SpaceX's crew, Dragon, took it up to the stars in their test mission along with four other human astronauts. Plush toys, fun fact, are such as Baby Yoda, are actually commonly used to test zero gravity inside of a rocket or just kind of show it. It's just something fun that they did to spice up their ship. Pretty cool if you ask me. 
If you want your question to be featured or answered, follow us on Instagram at Through My Smudge Glasses, spell like the title all in lowercase, and submit your questions and episode suggestions or segment suggestions through our Instagram stories. We'll ask you for them. And our comments and DMs too. It's super fun for me to read all of y'all's questions, so go do it. I make a big effort to read them all. Also, special note for this episode, tell me if you like the part two episodes, like taking a topic that we've covered before and kind of doing a part two, like where it is now. I think that they're kind of cool. So let me guys, let me know what you guys think. Thank you all for coming back for this new episode of the Through My Sponge Glasses podcast. I guess I accidentally left us in a Ross and Rachel situation where I thought we were on a break when you guys thought I was ignoring you or that we weren't on a break. I was just not putting in my time and effort. But that would never happen because as Phoebe would describe it, this podcast is my lobster. That's a lot of friend episode references, but it's a perfect segue into my point that after learning a little bit more about COVID's impact on the brain, that actually a lot, that actually a lot more if you listen to part one and part two, dang, you must be an expert on this now. You, I hope that you are motivated to keep on staying safe, masked up and socially distanced. We got this. If you've been following these guidelines like me, I bet you are saying right now, I know, and you would be a classic Monica. Could I be any more right? Okay, I'm done. I promise. And yeah, (laughs) here's your episodic reminder to follow the pod. Give us a five-star rating, listen to other episodes, recommend us to a friend, and follow the Instagram at through my smudge glasses, all in lowercase. You guys should know it by now, so go follow it. This whole podcast is a plant that needs watering from its viewers and its hosts. I'll do my part and you do yours. I'll see you guys next week, promise, with another episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening.